0: You are listening to The Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to The Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell. And in this episode, I would like to dive into this idea I've been thinking about, about why it's important to have what I would call a financial philosophy. And that sounds a little bit heavy at first for some people. So maybe just to clarify a little bit further off the top, uh, philosophy can be a guiding principle or principles or other guideposts that people can think about, define, and then use moving forward to help make financial decisions. So that's a little bit about what a financial philosophy is. I'd also like to get into why it's important perhaps to have one And then a little bit more specifically, what my financial philosophy is that I try to impart on the clients that I work with and why I think it's important to have some alignment there on anyone I work with professionally in my capacity as a financial advisor. So just for some context to start, I thought it would be helpful to maybe spend a minute talking about a few other philosophies in other common areas of life. And with that in mind, uh, a little story for you. Back in, I think it was 1998, I was pulled over in rural Iowa going... Well, I was speeding. I was driving over the speed limit and it wasn't close. And I got a speeding ticket and I deserved it. And the point here is that I don't know what compelled me to do it, but I was in college and I just asked the state trooper the question of how fast does someone have to be going over the speed limit before you will actually pull someone over and give him a ticket. And I don't know why the, the trooper told me this and I'm sure it's not a it's a rule. It's not a rule across the board for all troopers, but he told me for him it was 9 miles an hour over the speed limit before he would in most instances instances pull someone over and give them a speeding ticket. So, uh, at the age of 20, 21 years old, that kind of helped form my driving philosophy in that most of the time when I'm on the highway and I'm not in any big hurry, Uh, I set my cruise control to seven or eight miles an hour over the speed limit. And that's kind of where my driving philosophy comes from. Uh, I think you can apply this a little bit too to to how you raise your kids. Uh, you know, everyone raises their kids a little bit different and has different philosophies there. Uh, as an example, you know, some kids or some parents, excuse me, have the philosophy that their kids go to bed early every night at six or seven o'clock and get up, uh, really early in the morning too. My wife and I have a little bit different philosophy, and it's not necessarily that we think it's right. It's just born out of the circumstances of our, of our jobs and our careers. Um, but our our son, who is soon to be three years old, goes to bed probably later than most kids it 's usually nine o 'clock before he 's asleep or in in his in his bed um, and as a result, he sleeps in later in the morning uh, usually doesn 't get up or we don 't get him up until nine a m uh, that probably makes some people gasp that are listening to this, but that 's kind of our philosophy, and that 's what works for us. He also takes a nap every day too. Um, for, For a couple hours. And that's just what works for us. But the point being, and my business coach has this saying that I'm really a big believer in. And it's this idea that when your vision is clear, your decisions are easy. And what she means by that is if you've already decided ahead of time how you're going to respond or what the most important guiding principle or principles are about anything, then when you have a decision to make, there really is no decision because you've you've already decided ahead of time and your action that you take or don't take uh, is measured against with that guiding philosophy or what those guiding principles are in, in any given area, whether it's what time your kids get up and go to sleep then you just measure what your activities are going to be with your kids around kind of what that philosophy is. The decisions are easy. Also, in the name of context, I thought it would be helpful to give a few examples of a few other financial philosophies that may or may not be out there. And I'll explain why I think these aren't necessarily financial philosophies, but they're often accepted as such. Uh, the first one being that this idea that all debt is bad and that you should pay off any debt as quickly as possible. Uh, I'm not here to to argue if that's good or bad. I think there's an argument to be made about that on either side, but the point being is, I don't know that that's an overarching big picture, comprehensive macro view of a financial philosophy. Uh, To me, that's more of a micro decision about how you handle things. Another financial philosophy that gets tossed around sometimes amongst people is this idea that you should pay yourself first. And what people mean by that is that you should save the first percentage of the money that you earn every month or every year and, and put it towards savings and investing, which in and of itself, I think is probably a pretty good practice for most people. Uh, it takes the decision out of things. But again, I don't know that that's necessarily this bigger. Overall, macro, 30,000 foot financial philosophy. So, um, to me, those are just kind of micro things or micro philosophies within the bigger context of having a bigger overall financial philosophy. So, what's my financial philosophy? And I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. So, anyone, whether you're a dentist or not, builds their life around the expectation of the income that they think they will produce for our purposes today the income from producing dentistry and at some point in the future whether that's tomorrow or 60 years from now the income that you earn from practicing dentistry will stop and so then the question becomes what happens to your life and your lifestyle that you've built around that expectation when that income stops? And so at the core of that philosophy is all decisions financially have to be measured against the guiding principle of how it affects the ability to produce income for the life that is desired both now and in the future. And in a vacuum, everyone would be able to do that. Everyone would be able to produce the income from practicing dentistry, and then when they're done practicing dentistry, to continue living the life that they would like to live, the life that they've built, the lifestyle that they've built and would like to live. But life does not exist in a vacuum. Life is not linear. And so there are things that can get in the way. And some of those things are within people's control and some of those things that can get in the way or beyond people's control. And that's probably a little bit too deep for our purposes today. The point being, my philosophy that I believe in and I think the philosophy that I try to get my clients to start with is this idea that if we're in agreement that we have to focus on continuous cash flow or continuous income first and foremost then that gives us a guidepost that gives us a philosophy to to use and to make all financial decisions together moving forward. So without any sort of financial philosophy in place, without any sort of guidepost or principles that are established and defined at the outset of someone's career or at some point in the future, What can happen is people just sort of move through life making random, indiscriminate financial decisions in a bunch of different areas. And it's not that it can't work out doing it that way, it's just that the probability of success goes down, especially the further or the more you move through time. And as an example, I'll use myself in that I have been a financial advisor for almost 10 years now. And prior to this career, I did something in a completely different in- completely different industry and a completely different field for the 10 years prior to that. And when I got into financial services, what I realized is I really hadn't done a very good job for myself making financial decisions personally, in that I had a Roth IRA that I contributed to on a semi-regular basis, or at least somewhat consistently. And I had a 401k through my then employer that I contributed a small percentage of my salary. And it's really hard to think about in hindsight, but somehow my mind, without any sort of guidance, just kind of thought that by just doing those two things, somehow everything was going to work out for me financially. And I'd be able to retire someday financially. And what I know that what I know now that I didn't know then was that the probability of that actually happening had I not changed careers was was pretty low. And not to mention all the other things that were beyond my control that could have prevented that from happening all along the way. So long story long, uh, I think it's, it's beneficial to define for yourself some of the principles uh, or, or the, the guiding guideposts that you'd like to have uh, or the philosophy you'd like to have. Uh, and making financial decisions. And I think that will give anyone who does that a higher probability of life, financially speaking, turning out the way they want it to turn out. Anyway, as we start to wrap up, I hope that is helpful or at least gives you, the listener, something or a few things to think about. I just think that to have... Any sort of chance at having financial success or your life financially turning out the way you want it to turn out, you've got to at least have some some direction in what you're trying to accomplish and sort of defining on the front end or as early in your career as possible uh, what your financial philosophy or philosophies are. I think that's just a really good practice to try to achieve. So I think we're into double digits now in terms of the podcast episodes that have been published. So if you are a frequent listener, I really appreciate it. Thanks for checking out what I have to say or what our guests have to say on a weekly basis. And I'm not really fishing for ratings or rankings on iTunes or whatever app that's out there. But uh, one thing that I think might be helpful, if you find this podcast helpful or think that other people might be interested in some of the topics that get covered, I just ask you to share it with one person. And the, the easy way you can do that if you're listening on your phone or whatever app you're using within uh, your phone or on your desktop, there should be an icon somewhere in there to share. Sometimes it looks like a little box with an arrow pointing out of it. Uh, just if you're interested, just share it with one person and say that, Hey, I checked this out. And I think you might be interested in it too. And you can usually text it to people or email them as well. So uh, thanks for your consideration in that. Thanks for listening to this episode and for being along on the journey on the Practice Growth Podcast. We will talk to you soon. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carol Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Terrell Financial, and opinions stated are their own guardian its subsidiaries agents and employees do not provide tax legal or accounting advice consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation compliance tracking number 2021 116310 expiration date february 2023